Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So this is a bit weird. Isn't it though? I just, I feel like it wasn't even that long ago, but it, it feels like we're touching new ground. Touching new cloth. Right. Oh, we're touching, we're touching cloth. That's that, you didn't mean to say it like that, did you? No. <laughs> you're, you're, you're touching. Speak for yourself, hun. <laughs> so we're back. Hey. Yay. Uh, you're listening to series two of Be More Cleverer. I honestly didn't think we'd ever, ever get here. Nobody, nobody thought that. Nobody did. But so. here we are once again. Here we are. So if this happens to be your first time listening to Be More Cleverer, uh, we basically take it in turns to learn loads about a particular subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what we like to call a journey of self-improvement, but doesn't involve dieting or giving up booze. Really hasn't involved either of those things at all, has it? Yeah. If you look at the past year, neither of those things have been employed. <laughs> have We've literally just been it. learning about things. I feel like I did a juice diet at one point. Oh, uh, yeah, you, I remember that, actually. That was half-hearted, though. It was really hard. You did, like, one big shop with all the green veg, got to the <laughs> bottom of it, and then went back to buying your Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Don't talk about that dark moment. Oh, lovely Pop-Tarts. Um, we also, since the last series, we did a thing called Even More Cleverer, which you might have heard. That yeah. was fun. It was really fun. It was like, it felt like we were on proper summer break as well, because we did it outdoors, and it felt like... It, <laughs> It was it like signposted my summer. I mean, you just made a super fun thing sound so unfun. <laughs> signposted your summer. I'm glad it did that for you. No, but I just like <laughs> I I like that we were outdoors. Yes, I'm an absolutely. outdoors kind of guy. That's why I put on a dating profile if I had any. If you had a dating profile, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that incl- like fills up your iPhone memory. I've seen the apps. <laughs> Don't talk about can't take apps. any more pictures but can't possibly delete another app <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you like most about I've, t- I've told you what I liked most about even more clever was the summer the what did summer. you like most about it um, well we had loads of good ones on didn't we loads of good people I think my favourite I mean I loved when Alice Alice Levine came on mm. and she told us some dark stories about her past yeah about cats and dead cats and then things yeah. um, Hobby was great Hobby was really fun I can't pick everyone was fun everyone was really fun and I feel like I feel like we, as, as well as learning facts from them, I feel like we learn a bit more about them personally as well. So much, you know absolutely, I mean? and ourselves. You we, cut horses. I do. You, you talked about cupping a horse, thinking the Luke Franks episode. Oh my gosh! Do you remember that? 
Good times. Yeah. Good cupping times. Good cupping times. And we both won pub quizzes. We should talk about that. We, yeah, because I talked to you about this earlier. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where we both got really excited because we won pub quizzes. Mm-hmm. But then it dawned on me that we didn't win those together. We went to separate pub quizzes. But that's important, I think. We split off. We took um, skills that we both learned as separate beings. Um, I think we were stronger. I think the different teams needed us. It wasn't at the same pub quiz either. We should mention that. We yes. didn't like go head to head. That would be awkward. Because I would used... win and you would be sad. Um, but I think when we started the podcast, it was a lot to do with the fact that in pub quiz situations, we felt like we were quite bums. Yeah. But we both won our pub quizzes. We won our pub quizzes and we won actual we won cash. cash money. How much did you win? Uh, £85. Did you? Between two of us. Between two of you? It was a small pub quiz. We won £200. <laughs> you won £200. That was absurd though. That was because it was like a rollover situation. Though. That's mad. And so it was literally like all our dreams just came true. We couldn't believe it. So it's exciting because this is our, our first episode back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it made sense that because we couldn't decide on who would go first, that we would just both give each other a topic. Yeah, we normally set each other a topic at the end of the previous episode, but we've obviously not been able to do that. So yeah. we both decided to learn a thing. So it's kind of like a, a bumper episode. It's a bumper edition. Will. We could have done rock, paper, scissors, but thought, nah, let's just go in with a double whammy. Shall I go first then? Yeah, sure. So while you were away moving house and doing fun things... I was always thinking about this podcast, okay? Okay. So, I, so much so that I went to a certain place to record an episode of the podcast. Right. So, do you want to know what my topic is? Yes. My topic is all about the island of Alcatraz. <gasps> I went to San Francisco specifically... Just for the podcast. To record the podcast. You spent the money on that on train ticket, plane ticket? Train ticket. Just for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, well done you. I don't know about it, but I am more dedicated to this podcast. So, are, you, are we like making some money from this podcast that I don't know about? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it all goes into my account. Is that where it's all going? Okay, cool. Continue. <laughs> I'm fine with me just doing the field trips. That's okay. Okay. So Alcatraz is an island just in the Bay Area of San Francisco. It's off the coast of the city. Mm-hmm. It is in a national park, which is the Bay Area of San Francisco and the surrounding Northern Californian landscape and okay. hemisphere. Um, and and it was a prison, and it was it's been lots of different things in in its in its years. Right. Uh, so I thought it was kind of an interesting topic. It's been the subject of like movies. Clint Eastwood did loads of films set on Alcatraz. He did a very famous one called Escape from Alcatraz. And it was just kind of really appealing and looked really cool. And it seemed like a very touristy thing to do, but also something I could definitely milk for a podcast topic. I mean, that's honourable to admit, because I would have done the exact same thing. So, okay. So where do we start? Uh, I think we'll dive right in, right? I, I, I'd say get pen and paper, get, or get, something like, get some writing materials... Okay, I'll get my parchment out of my satchel. This mm. is going to be, and uh, this is going to be an aural treat. An aural treat. Yep. Right. It's uh, a little documentary, I'll call it, mm-hmm. on my trip to Alcatraz. Okay. Have a listen to this. Hi, Katie. How are you? Just leaving a gap there for you to say, oh, I'm fine. Nah. Uh, anyway, you join me here 
at San Francisco. It's quite exciting. Um, I've actually only here, just come here to to do this, so I know that my dedication is is a lot more than yours for the podcast. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'm off to to Alcatraz. You know that that famous island with a prison on it. But what is Alcatraz, and why is there a prison on it? Why was there a prison on it? Is it still operating? I don't even know. That's what this this journey's about. So. Um, I'm armed with my little visitor info book, an audio guide, and in turn I will be your audio guide. Katie, this is Alcatraz. So let's get into it, just a rundown of what Alcatraz is. It's a national park in the US and it covers 75,000 acres of land and water around Golden Gate Bridge, which is um, just in the San Francisco Bay area. It gets 16 million visitors each year and it opened as a national park in 1972. I was talking about the prison earlier, obviously I know it closed a while back, uh, but it became a national park in 1972. I'm, uh, I'm about to board the, uh, the cruise ship, it's very exciting. Uh, I've got my ticket, so uh, let's go. You'll walk in the footsteps of America's most dangerous criminals and the men who guarded them. Cheer their voices and experience their daily lives when you tour the federal penitentiary. Although it's known as The Rock, you'll be amazed at the island's natural beauty. Discover the secrets of its historic gardens. And keep an eye out for abundant bird life. So I've just got off the boat, and the first thing that like hits you immediately on this island is how much it looks like a movie set. It's so good. It's like every stereotypical island escape film you've ever seen, but actual real life. This was an actual thing. So good. There's a man um, standing on a box uh, telling a tale of an escape. So I'm going to go and listen to him and relay that information to you. So no, it's obviously famous for being a prison. Actually, it was a fort before it was a prison uh, prior to... 1934 so it was under Spanish occupation first then the Americans took over it in the late 1800s 1846 the American government used it in the Civil War and then after the gold rush in the late 1800s when everyone kind of rushed to San Francisco they had just had the money to, to turn it into a massive fortress so obviously then it was a prison, and that was from 1934 to 1963. And I see why now, when you're on the island, it's so windy. And actually, unusually, it's very nice this time of year. It's usually very foggy and, and can be quite wet on, on the island. It was, it was weathered down and it had to close because it was in quite a poor state, so that's why they closed it. And this is interesting. In the 70s, during the, the hippie invasion, man, uh, Native Americans, actually occupied it. They were fed up of how they'd been treated and being put on reservations and things like that. So they, they set sail, a small group of them, and occupied the island for, for about 18 months. And actually, uh, and walking around, you can still see the graffiti that they've left. There's a big water tower and they, they put a mm, kind of massive sign saying, this is, you know, Indi American Indian territory, which is cool. It became a national park in 1972, and since then, they've been doing all the tours, making all the monies. Cool, I'm back off the boat, I'm back in San Francisco, which is nice. Um, 
Casey, I'll tell you more about the cells and the prisoners and their way of life in person. I think that's more a more human thing to do. Interaction would be nice. We'll chat. But Casey, a question for you, just as if you've been listening to this. Which famous gangster was a prisoner on Alcatraz? I mentioned him during this. Uh, who was it? What was the name of that famous American gangster? Um, okay, I actually missed that. I don't, I don't. Are you sure you said said it? Because I know you said that the, it came in National Park in 1972 a lot. I did say that. <laughs> Listening back, I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I know that much. I think I was and just then, really impressed that. And do you know, like, I was distracted by the seagulls. Oh yeah. <laughs> There were a lot of seagulls. There were so many. I don't know. And I was also trying to think of like how we could take this and like get some more career opportunities for you because there was like some serious Craig Doyle on the programme holiday in that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, wow, this is where we make Jack his millions. I could have been Judith Chalmers. Let's not think about what could have been. What could have been. Do you know what? It's so weird that you mentioned the 1972 thing because... I do say that a lot, and it's because I think of it. I had, like, two guides that I bought when I was there, and they are all obviously f- provided by the National Parks of America, so they must just put it in, like, subliminally. That's so weird. And it's it not weird. It works. Now we're talking about it now. <laughs> so, no, when's it, when, when's it become a, when does it become a... When does it become a national park? 1972. Well, there you go. There's one thing to say. <laughs> no, that was excellent. Thank you, dear. The, the trick question there, Katie, was, I, I did put the end of that, um, was that I didn't talk about the prison specifically. I talked about it being a prison, but I didn't really give you any details. Oh, so I'm not being, like, basic. No. Nope. Not right now. I thought I'd use this opportunity to kind of talk to you a bit more about the prison itself. Oh, sneaky one you are. So two very famous prisoners on the island were... The renowned gangster Al Capone, mm-hmm. and a serial killer in New York who I didn't—I'd never heard anything about. Who's called uh, the Birdman, not the subject of the Michael Keaton film, mm-hmm. but was also called the Birdman. And he was a, a serial killer in New York, and he was crazy, and he used lots of—he called himself the Birdman and was obsessed with birds, which makes the. Pigeon Lady in Home Alone 2, even more sinister than I already thought. She is so sinister. So but she sinister. saves the day at the end. She does. She fairness. does. She comes through. She, come, she, she comes through. Comes through. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that you you walk around the island, which is kind of, it's it's not huge, but it's it's kind of like Barry Island. In, I mean, that's no help to me whatsoever. I'm going to have to giggle that later. I don't but know if you know, fine. but it's in Wales and I'm Welsh, so... You're not doing a very good job at hiding your deep, dark secret. <laughs> um, so, I did mention, though, there is like, it's kind of a um, preservation is where it looks after lots of wildlife. Mm-hmm. But I, I did go on a, an audio tour of the prison itself, because the prison is still there intact, and you walk around the cells, and mm-hmm. it's very interesting, and you are given a Walkman. And cool. Cool, man. And like, did you look like Cliff Richard in the music video in Milton Keynes? Yes. Great <laughs> reference because it's they were the same headphones. Yes. You know, it was like rubbish, like metal ones with like fluorescent orange. Don't really sit on that well. Awful. Yeah. But okay. the tour was really bloody interesting and just lots of lots of feet. Like it's very it's kind of emotional, not like, like in a not in a sad way, but like just yeah, you feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you really do. Um, but. 
you, so you go around and they tell you kind of very key points. And there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about was the thing I learned was that no one ever managed to escape from Alcatraz alive. Oh. So there were two very famous breakouts. Uh-huh. Uh, and I want to talk to you about one because when I was doing some research off the back of me going, mm-hmm. and they basically on the tour they tell you that three men escaped. Right. And they were never found. Really? Never found. The assumption was they died trying to swim off the island. Yeah, that's the, a thing that did happen, didn't it? The water can be so cold, it's unbelievable. Like, basically, you would never have survived. Really? Because the water was, you know, in the minuses. It's like, and, and it's it's about a mile away from from land. Yeah. So you'd never, you ain't swimming that in that freezing cold. No. But, but. on kind of, on reflection and on some kind of further research coming back, I found an article that said the proof that the three men who escaped Alcatraz survived. The proof? There was, okay. Apparently there's proof. But the context of it is in 1962, three inmates chiseled through a wall in their cells mm-hmm. using a spoon that actually happened. Mm-hmm. They had spent years chiseling through and they escaped and managed to get managed to climb up to the roof uh they were two brothers and another inmate Mm -hmm. and they used uh island debris on the coast to make makeshift paddles which were found and they were never seen again so the the basically there was so basically there were there was no record of them since but Apparently, the brothers survived the escape, and they were they survived up until at least the mid seventies. They were sighted, and they could so, still be alive today. So this article says. So the whole thing really was just really overwhelming and really amazing experience. I didn't think it was going to be as as exciting as it was. And I, I got back off land and continued to have a nice time in San Francisco. Did you know? Yeah, I did. Did you have a nice time in San Francisco? You did, actually. How nice. A lot to ask, really, and a lot to take in. But what, if anything, did you take from that? Um, It's big. 75 acres of land, was it? That's a lot of land. When In 30s to 60s, that's when it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, as, a, as a prison, it was um, a military base and a fortress before and after. Okay. And then the Native Americans took over in the 70s. Loads of stuff. And the Al Capone was in there? Yep. Famous gangster. Famous gangster. So yeah, I think I've, I think I did quite a lot from that. Well done, well done me. Well done <laughs> you. Pat myself on the back, dear. And well done for doing your little your little documentary. So uh, how about you uh, serve me up a bit of uh, fact pie? Okay, I mean that's you made it sound very weird. Fact yeah. pie. Fact pie. Okay, so do you so you want to know all about my one? Yes, please. Okay, so I decided to learn all about the Dalai Lama. Um, So basically, I decided to do this because uh, you may have seen on the internet recently that he did did an interview, basically, with Piers Morgan, and he asked him all about what he thought about Donald Trump. He... Okay, there's two bits of information (laughs) that... He did an interview... He did Life Stories. No, it wasn't Life Stories. It was on Good Morning Britain? Daybreak, was it called? Oh, yeah. GMTV? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Imagine if the Dalai Lama had done a Piers Morgan life stories after Barbara Windsor. 
And uh, he did a Donald... Right, where where was I? I don't know, did you... Okay, well, that's not important. And I saw about this, like, the internet seemed to go mad for it. Apparently you weren't on the internet that day. No. Uh, and this whole time I was sort of thinking, oh, this is really funny, the Dalai Lama's doing this. And then I sort of thought, well, I actually don't know much about the Dalai Lama. I thought I probably wouldn't be the only one. So what, what do you know about the Dalai Lama? Let me ask you that. Be honest. I know that he's friends with Lady Gaga, which I think is weird. Right. Also is friends with Russell Brand. Right. He has glasses. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, We'll see stories like, oh, he's friends with Lady Gaga, and it's like, oh, that's funny. But why is that funny? Because you don't really know who he is at all. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that I took away from doing the last series of Be More mm. Cleverer was that we are doing this because we feel like people are, are similar to us and we don't know the things about the things we're learning about. So I decided to put this to the test. Okay. And I took to the streets. <gasps> no, you didn't. To ask people what they knew about the Dalai Lama. Because I thought, I don't know where to start if I don't know what people already know. You went out and asked people. I asked people. So I asked people what they knew about the Dalai Lama. Um, well, let's just say it could be written on the back of, uh, of a stamp in uh, 20-foot high capital letters. What do I know about him? Um, not too much, I'm embarrassed to uh, to admit, but he seems like a lovely fella. I like his karma. Uh, he's got a lovely vibe about him. Seriously, I really, really do. That's it. I once saw him walk past a pub in Nottingham when I was in the window, in the seat by the window, which was, which was fun. Um, he's in Tibet. He wears red with a yellow... Sash? Is that right? He's bald. He's a monk. Is he a monk? I don't even know what his religion is. What is his religion? Is he, is he, is he a Buddhist? Is he the chief? He's not chief Buddha, is he? He's not the Buddha. Isn't the Dalai Lama the man who is in charge of all of the wisdom? And, like, when there's something that needs wisdom, the Dalai Lama, like, comes out and says some clever stuff. Like... When Donald Trump was saying bad things, the Dalai Lama came out and just said some wisdom and made it all fine. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, did you like that? I loved it. Good. Well, that was like the most fun thing because the people that I spoke to, I told them what it was for. I said what it was, like the reason I was doing it. But I did say, I'm not going to ask you what I'm asking you about until I hit record. And we're just going to do one take. And you would be shocked at how nervous people get when they're told that. <laughs> I, I like the last person who was like something about wisdom. Yeah, saw that wisdom. Yeah, He's, and, and like everything that people said, I thought, well, that's probably round about what I knew as well. Also, Maybe even a little bit more. That is, is he, so fun. Let's do that all the time. Questioning everything he said as well. Like he's a monk. Is he a monk? Is he a monk? He kept looking at me as if to say, "Tell me." That's <laughs> like, really like, good. I'm not telling you. That's really funny. Um, so some facts about the Dalai Lama. Okay. So the current Dalai Lama is the 14th one. Oh, um, he's, the president. Uh, We're just like, there's more than one, like James Bond. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he's the 14th Dalai Lama. He's mostly vegetarian, but not totally. So not <laughs> kind of like me. So not a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are the many similarities between me and the Dalai Lama? He can like, food. Cooks veggie at home, but then when he goes out, he might have meat. Nando's chicken, which Nando's. I kind of respect. Like he's sort of veggie, and he is a Buddhist because mm. that was something that we'd like to say. Oh yeah, we knew that, but. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I would have... You wouldn't have put all your money on it? No. No, and we really should know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the Dalai Lama is the head monk of Tibetan Buddhism. Okay, Okay. yeah, that makes sense. So, the first Dalai Lama was born in 1391. Like, that's relatively recent. There's only been 14 of them. Yeah. How old are they? They get old. 
but like they start young. Hundreds. They they start young though. I'll get oh, to that okay. later. So the interesting thing though is that the Dalai Lama, the title Dalai Lama, didn't become a thing until the third one was on. So there were two beforehand, but they didn't know that they were Dalai Lamas as such. So the first Dalai Lama, the one dating back to the 1300s, was a scholar. He wrote books into Buddha's teachings, founded a monastery that's still on today. Okay. Uh, So by the time he died, he was a very respected figure in Tibet and Buddhism. Okay. But it's not like royalty, like you're not born into the role. You're not even chosen as such. They consider it to be like you find the Dalai Lama. It will make sense, trust okay. me. Okay. And it all comes down to reincarnation. Mm, it always comes down to reincarnation. <laughs> Doesn't it though? And in Tibetan Buddhism, they believe in reincarnation. This is the interesting part actually. The way they find the next Dalai Lama is mm, like a X lot Factor. of spooky things, like literally couldn't be further from the X Factor. Okay. Um, so from what we can find in books and on internet, uh, when the second Dalai Lama was just old enough to speak, apparently he said to his parents the name of the previous one. which And his dad says that when Dalai Lama 2 was conceived, he had a dream where he was told to give his son the first one's name, when he conceived a child. But there were just, for each one, there are loads of little happenings that lead them to believe that they've been reincarnated as the previous one. Oh, my God, okay. So they start super young. (gasps) Almost like Doctor Who and a regeneration. In many ways, yes, if you like. And it was during the third one being on that the title of Dalai Lama, translated as Ocean of Wisdom, was given and applied to the previous two. So... They believe that when they die, their reincarnation... Sorry, by they I mean Tibetan Buddhists. They believe that when they die, their reincarnation is dictated by their karma. So one of the guys in the thing before said about karma. Mm -hmm. If you did something bad or if you did something good for the wrong reasons, you'll pay for it in a later life. Sure. So when a Dalai Lama dies, they believe that his consciousness transfers to another being. Right. And the Dalai Lama can basically overcome their karma because they're so committed to being compassionate towards other humans and other beings. Basically, they're committed to being super nice and wonderful. So the current Dalai Lama, Mm. um, like I said before, the current Dalai Lama is the 14th one. So there are all sorts of factors involved in the search for the next Dalai Lama. And I find this all really interesting. It's definitely what I'm not going to go into all of them because we'll be here for hours But, for example, if they cremate the Dalai Lama, there's a lot of attention paid to which way the smoke blows. Oh. Um, They might go into that direction to look for the next one. Oh, that's cool. Um, I read that with this one, the current one, with the the previous 13th Dalai Lama, how many times can I say Dalai Lama in this episode, do you think? When he died, his corpse was embalmed, so, like, kept in liquid. Like a pickled egg. Exactly, like a pickled egg. And legend has it, I say legend, it was like in the 1900s, so it's not really legend, it's not like ancient. But the body, his face, turned to look a different direction. Ew. Ew. Creepy. Um, And that's kind of where they started the search. Um, I won't go into that. There are quite a few factors involved with this current one, which uh, I think are all quite interesting, but I won't go into all of them. It involves someone having a vision in a lake. And when they find them, they if it's like a little little child, like a toddler... 
they'll wave items belonging to the previous one in front of them. And if they're like, oh, that's mine. That's what this one did. The current 14th one was like, yeah, that's mine. I own that. This needs to be a reality show. It's mad, isn't it? This needs to be a reality show. And obviously they're a toddler. They can't really look it up beforehand. Yeah. And this happened in like the 1930s. So that's the indication that they're the chosen one. Isn't that interesting? That's like how they picked the Dalai Lama. So interesting. So when he was just two years old, the current one, when he was a toddler, a search party, uh, they recognised this toddler as the reincarnation of the 13th. Well, actually, not even just the 13th. They recognised him as the reincarnation of all the previous ones. And then he was enthroned by the time he turned four. Imagine. So isn't that mad, though? It's not even like... Like like the royals, where you get born into it from a time like such a young age, you're found. It's kind of more fair. It, well, it's it's amazing. It's quite fascinating. It's definitely worth having a look. There's yeah. loads of there's a Dalai Lama website, and it's got information about how each one was found, and it's really interesting. DalaiLama.com. Exactly. I think it actually is that. <laughs> Google Dalai Lama, you'll find it. Um, so Lamo Thondup was recognised as the reincarnated Dalai Lama and was renamed. <clears throat> And I hope I don't offend anyone with these terrible pronunciations. Jetson Jamfel Ngawang Lopzang Yeshe Tenzin Gayatso, which translates as Holy Lord, Gentle Glory, Compassionate Defender of the Faith, Ocean of Wisdom. Known as Tenzin Gayatso, sort of in short. Could have been longer, but whatever. So when you hear people say free Tibet, do you know much about that? No. Correct answer, because I'm going to tell you all about it now. If you knew more than me, that'd be embarrassing. <laughs> So in 1950, he was 15, and the troops of the new Chinese communist government invaded Mm. Tibet because they had materials that they wanted. Uh, They wanted to be on the border with India. Uh, And as soldiers flooded the country, they took over. There was tens of thousands of them. I'm going to sort of whiz through this. Um, But with so many soldiers taking over Tibet... He was forced to accept China's rule in return for them to promise to protect Tibet's political system and Tibetan Buddhism, which obviously was the most important thing to Mm. Dalai Lama. And China didn't keep these promises. What? Um, And it all came to a head in 1959, so like nine years after they invaded. Yeah. Um, So when they started protesting this... Uh, in 1959, and they it wasn't really enough, and the Chinese fought back, and thousands of protesters were killed in the process. And they were also scared that the Dalai Lama was his life was at risk, mm. um, and he's their leader. And at this point, the Dalai Lama fled Tibet and settled in the north of India, and that's where the Tibetan government in exile are now. Really? Yeah. So they're based in the north of India because he's just not safe. He's just not not safe in Tibet. Um, Still now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. So he was followed into exile by 80,000 Tibetans. And a lot of them are still there. Yeah, a lot of them are still there. Um, And to this day, Tibet is a state under illegal occupation. Protests still happen all the time, but Tibet is largely populated by Chinese people, uh, which obviously. They don't want. They want to retain their culture, and even possessing an image of the Dalai Lama can get you into massive trouble in Tibet, and even torture and arrest. So they could get into trouble just for having an image of the Dalai Lama. This is it's mad, isn't it? Mad. Um, so before all this happened, China and Tibet had a good relationship. I'm sure. 
Um, and the Dalai Lama wanted to resolve things peacefully and has always stuck by that, but there are still problems. Um, he's never kind of backed down on that. He doesn't want it to take it to violence. And in 1989, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts to resolve these problems. So, yeah, that's what the Dalai Lama at the moment is mainly associated with is Tibet being invaded by China. So when you hear about people talking about free Tibet, that's what happened. That's it. In 2011, the Dalai Lama handed over his political responsibilities to the government. I think probably mostly due to his age. He's he's he? what he's 81 now. So, do you want to get on to him himself? Yeah. Him himself. Him himself. <laughs> uh, so, he's considered to be one of the great protagonists of peace. He won the Nobel Peace Prize, which is like the main thing you can win for being peaceful. <laughs> so, yeah. So, do you want to know what a day to day is like for the yeah, Dalai Lama? A day in the life. So, he's an early riser. What do you think that means? How early? 6 a.m. 3 a.m. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> Don't go to bed. 3 a.m. Um, How do you know this? He's an early It's on his website. Incredible. I know. Uh, he likes porridge for breakfast. And usually, he'll listen to the BBC World News on the radio. I love him. Whilst he he sounds so excellent, I can't even tell you. Um, then he prays for a few hours. Sure. By 9am, he is studying Buddhist texts by great Buddhist masters. I feel like, how has he not read them all yet? And then he has his lunch at around half 11, which I sometimes do, but I've usually had my breakfast at like 8, <laughs> so it's different. And then he goes to his office for a bit in the afternoon, does interviews with people, that sort of thing. He doesn't have... This is interesting. He doesn't have dinner because of some Tibetan Buddhist rules, which mean that he can't. But he does have his evening tea at around 5.30. It sounds like a get-out clause. sounds like a day. <laughs> Such <laughs> a get-out clause. Oh, no, no, this is my evening tea. It's my, guys, it's not dinner. It's my evening tea. It's my evening tea. So. Tucks into a big old plate of pasta. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. I, I, I really respect the Dalai Lama after all this research. I'm sure he doesn't do that. But it does sound... It does sound suspect. <laughs> um, and then he does some more praying and he's in bed by around seven. Okay, that's not so bad then if yeah. he gets a bit three. And that's just him at home. He travels a lot. He was in London last year, I think. Mm. Um, he doesn't do sex. He's sure. a monk. Okay. So uh, do you want to hear what he says about sex? Yeah, I feel, I feel I'm going to be judged, but okay. <laughs> he says that sex offers fleeting satisfaction and leads to trouble later. And not doing sex offers... He didn't say not doing sex. That's obviously my poor grammar. Offers more independence and more freedom, which I know is your excuse. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is. So that's what he says about um, sexual... Sexy. Intercourse. He's not feeling sexual. No. Um, he's a feminist. And he supports gay marriage. Oh, does he? Yeah. He told Larry King from the, the talk show in America, um, if two people, a couple, really feel that that way is more practical, more sort of satisfaction, and both sides fully agree, then okay. <laughs> Which I think is... I think a lot more people could do with taking on that. Opinion. Yeah. Basically saying he's not bothered. I'm not he bothered. He it's like, do what you want. Doesn't he ain't it? offended. No. Sort it out yourself. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the future of the Dalai Lama. This is where we wrap things up. So when he was asked whether a Dalai Lama would come after him, he said it would depend on the circumstances after his death and was up to the Tibetan people, which is classic Dalai Lama, I think, from what we know about mm. him. He's like, well, let the people decide, you know. He was also quoted, though, as saying that he will not reincarnate in a body that would reside in a country that is not free. 
Wow. Which is deep, isn't it? It's really deep because you're like, how do you decide that? Well, I mean, it's Dalai Lama, isn't he? You say what he yeah. wants. Um, in 2007, he said that the Dalai Lama could possibly be a woman. There hasn't been one as yet, but... This is, again, like Doctor Who, when they said the next Doctor Who could be a woman. Well, times have changed a lot since he became a Dalai Lama, like mm. 1930s. Mm. So, so yeah, that is the Dalai Lama. Do you feel like you know a lot more about the Dalai Lama? Yeah, and I feel enriched by it. Good. Also, pitch idea, can we, because it'll, be, it'll happen in our lifetime... Uh-huh. That the Dalai Lama will die. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Can we pitch Search for the Next Dalai Lama on like ITVB? What? Like, so you think you can be the Dalai Lama? Yes. I feel like I feel like we could get <laughs> Gabby Ros- Dalai Lama. Gabby Rosling hosting. Okay. We'll put Gabby, him in. who would be her male counterpart like? Um someone like uh Lulu. Lulu. Oh no, Lulu's a woman. Lulu's a woman. <laughs> Rylan? Rylan! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dalai Lama. Yeah, and <laughs> maybe Russell Brand. Russell Brand's mates with them. Maybe Russell, he could yeah. get involved. I like that. I watched a, a Q and A with them earlier on today, actually, and Amazing. it was great. I just I love him. Oh, he's so the Dalai Lama. I, I love both of them. It was very good. He was joking about his mug having booze in it, <laughs> and like he's really funny. Does he? He doesn't drink. No. But he was willing to joke about being He's fun. really bladder. He's just fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's Dalai Lama. And now I feel like if he came to this country again, I would be like, yay, Dalai Lama, I know loads about you. I would love to go and meet him. Me too. I feel like I really want to meet him now. Do you think he'll hear this? Can we get this to him? I think so, let's try Can it. we try and get this on BBC World News Radio? <laughs> just would... so that he hears it. I think that's our best bet. I think that is our best bet. Okay. okay I'm, I'm down for that. So, what do you think you've learned? I feel like I've learned... Just kind of reiterating what you were saying, um, he's is in touch with like the Western world. Yeah, knows. totally. I really liked the fact there were fourteen. I thought there would have been loads more. In honesty. Yeah, I I thought that they date back to like I, millenniums ago. Yeah, yeah. And the wind thing was really interesting. That like the I, the idea that like nature is guiding them to like find. Yeah, the selection process is like nothing that I've ever heard of before. Yeah, mad. It's like, like a, it's like it's like a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mad. And the fact that Tibet is still kind of overseen by China is insane to me. Yeah. I had no idea that was that was happening. Yeah, well you you've heard people talk about Tibet needing yeah. to be free, right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I kind of thought think I understood that there were problems there, but I thought that was as a result of something ha- this this kind of thing happening a, a lifetime ago. Mm. I can't believe it's still going on now. That's that's insane yeah. to me so we need to talk about what we're going to do next time then I've found a genius way to decide who goes next uh, okay how about we flip a coin um, okay that sounds like a good plan call it what do you want I would like heads please <laughs> okay so if it lands hang on what does this mean if it lands on heads okay you've picked heads inappropriate uh, heads you give me a topic okay tails I give you a topic yeah okay hey Siri Heads or tails? It's... Oops, it fell in a crack. Oh. <laughs> it will be I didn't know that was a thing. What did it say? Is that it? you got to ask again? Hey Siri, heads or tails? Heads. So I pick. Heads. Heads. It fell in a crack. <laughs> that, unbelievable. I can't believe it. You, if you want a job doing, do it yourself. <laughs> Siri, we're on a podcast here. <laughs> okay then. Right. So you've got, you're giving me a topic, right? So I'll give you a topic. <clears throat> Yeah, right. There have been loads of things that have happened since we last did this, but I've realised I don't know much about that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Jack, Jackson. Hello. 
I would like you to tell me all about the career of Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what was that reaction? Good. I love Seinfeld. I've never watched it ever. Uh, it's a program where basically amazing. You don't have to do it right now. <laughs> Fine, I'll save that gold for next time. <laughs> I would like to know uh, why and when did it end the program? Okay, let me write this down. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, why and when did it end? Yeah, and I also want to know what the peak ratings were. Okay. And I want to know a few of the people that were in it. Like, so do you want to know about the program Seinfeld or Jerry? Both. Okay. <laughs> Slacker. Uh, yeah, that's it, really. The main people that were in it, maybe a bit about the cameos. Okay. People talk about Seinfeld like it's legendary, um, and I've never seen it. All I've I've seen B movie, and I'm believe B that movie is weird. It's a great message though. It's a good. Movie. Fall in love with a bee. No, it's like we need honey. She marries the bee at the end. Have you seen this film? Yes. She marries the bee at the end. I was dreadfully hungover when I watched it. And then it's like, if we don't have honey and we don't have bees, we'll all die. That's yeah, the message. I get that, but she marries the woman, leaves her husband for a bee. I think we need to save this argument for next time. Next time. Stay tuned. <laughs> and on that note... On that note, buzz off. Buzz off. <laughs> Got there first. Een nieuwe uitlaat nodig? Of motorolie? 123autoparts.nl heeft werkelijk alles voor je auto. 123autoparts.nl Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.